All right, cool. So we're back again for another episode of Give It a Minute, and we're we're still talking about the anxiety series that Dave yeah. is doing over here at Faith Community Church. That's how much? Two more weeks of? I I just finished actually. Oh yeah, I finished this week. Oh, yeah. it was finished this yep. week. Mm-hmm. I, uh, yeah, man, so I talked about was... money. So or uh, really fear for your future. Yeah, and how okay. money goes in possessions. All Working right. that. Yeah. Well. Uh, so we're going to go back to the 28th, though, and talk about what was the basic. So the passage there was, um, you know, basically, the, you know, I talked mo- mainly about when we talk about anxiety, we mainly talk about your conscience, how that your conscience creates anxiety. And that's really where I spent most of my time. But then the three kind of specific verses you get that mention anxiety themselves in the New Testament. Uh, of course, tons of them. Uh, there's tons of them that mention people having anxiety and things like that. But the actual anxiety verses are, you know, First Peter 5, talking about your anxiety over um, your exaltation, basically kind of getting into the position that you would like to have and the responsibility and influence and you would like to have in your life and the anxiety that comes by, you know, wanting it, not having it. And then the other one is um, really if you're anxious about everything, <laughs> you know, and so Paul gives us that, that command in Philippians 4 to not be anxious for anything, uh, but in everything by prayer and supplication, present yourself to God So uh, with thanksgiving and the peace of God will guard our hearts and minds. So, yeah, uh, so first Corinthians, or I'm sorry, Philippians 4. Uh, and so it's really the anxiety, if you're anxious about everything, uh, and uh, really it's, it's kind of the catch-all. Uh, versus what you do when you are, are anxious. So I remember there was a time <clears throat> when I was having like some really bad anxiety, mm-hmm. and a friend of mine came over and he was like, he opened up the Bible and went to like three different verses, and each time he goes, it's really hard to find a good verse because the only ver- thing the verse is going to tell you is to just not be anxious, and I'm, I'm trying to help you a little more than that. That's like, right. Don't be anxious. I was like, yeah, that's that's um, that'd be great if we had something a little deeper here yes. Uh, yes. to help me out with this. <laughs> but that's great. You know, it, it's still helpful though because it does give some instructions there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, uh, the you know by prayer and supplication make your requests be known to God, mm-hmm. and so that has to do with you know, how we deal with this, right? Yes, you exactly. talked a little bit yep. about that. And I find prayer to be extremely helpful with my anxiety. I feel like if I haven't prayed about something, I feel more anxious about it than if I had. 100%. <clears throat> and I think it's a simple matter that when I pray for something, I feel like I, I know I'm I'm taking steps forward. I know that I've brought it to God and that he's going to be guiding me through it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, obviously there's other things that we can lean on there as far as, you know, we're never going to be where God doesn't want us to be kind of thing. And mm-hmm. when we throw that in with prayer, we feel a little more secure in that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But where where does it come in? I mean, like when we, we have, we have prayed for it, prayed about it, we have made it known to God. And then we end up in this situation whether it be, you know, that exaltation thing, getting the position that we want, or, you know, it, let me just kind of like phrase it like this, that feeling that like we got what we wanted and maybe now it turns out it's not what we wanted. <laughs> so so now we have anxiety over that. So we had anxiety yeah. over getting to where we wanted to be and then when we got to where we wanted to be, now we have anxiety about being there, you know. 
all this just falls in line with just the prayer and supplication thing. I mean, you just keep pressing forward, mm-hmm. you know, through all those different things in the same manner. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think what's so cool about those three different verses on anxiety is they have different things you do for the different type of anxiety you have. Um, because if you, if you have anxiety about not really being in the position that you want to be in your life, uh, whether a position of influence or exaltation, so you, you want more people to know you want to use your skills. You don't like being the, you know, kind of last on the totem pole, you know? So really what you do there is you humble yourself and you cast your anxieties on the Lord because he cares for you. So he actually wants you to, he, he doesn't rebuke your desire for exaltation at all. Uh, he doesn't, he's not, uh, it's your desire for, to want more, uh, especially more influence or more responsibility, uh, you know, that kind of thing is not uh, something God rebukes. It's really, but it's not something, but it's also something that he's in charge of. Um, and, uh, and if we start acting in pride in that and trying to get to that position, um, too quickly or really sort of by our own efforts, um, you know, we, you know, we're going to get in a lot of trouble. And I think every human being and that's old enough probably can understand, uh, some of the trouble that comes by, uh, acting out of anxiety, uh, trying to get to the position that you want to have. So, but, you know, God gives us that instruction through Peter there that we are to cast that anxiety on the Lord. Now that's a, you know, that's a perf, uh, particular part of prayer, right? Is basically saying, and be really honest and you got it. And you just have to be honest. If you don't be honest with God in prayer and hide your desires for exaltation because you maybe feel like God would rebuke that or something, or even you think that's like, I really don't deserve that, or this desire is bad or whatever, and you hide it from God, you're going to carry, you're going to carry the anxiety. But you got to get honest with God and say, this is what I want. I'm frustrated I don't have it, It's and I'm afraid I'm never going to get it. And so, Lord, I am casting that on you. And Lord, would you take it? And um, because you care for me, he's actually saying, let me carry this for you. Uh, and in fact, you if you try to carry it, you're just going to have anxiety. And um, uh, But uh, I can give you my peace, which then would connect certainly to Philippians there. Um, so now... You know, that verse in Peter, a lot of people use it for all kinds of anxiety, which I think is fine, but really, in reality, I think it works best for that anxiety that comes from having or wanting more desire or wanting more responsibility, more influence, uh, and not having it. Um, and I think it, you know, so not that it couldn't work for other anxieties either, right? But a lot of these things are exaltation you know, base too. Like if you, you know, you're single, you want a spouse, you know, and you're anxious that you'll never have one that you, you need to be exalted in somebody's eyes, right. In order for them to want to date you, to want to court you, to want to marry you. So that's a, that is an exaltation thing too. It's not just a, you know, I want to be CEO of a company or <coughs> rich and of famous, a church yeah, yeah. or rich and famous or whatever that kind of, yeah. Social yeah. media influencer or something like that. Right. So it just is, um, so, uh, I think it works best 
really in that instruction, I think, because that's a particular anxiety that a lot of people just don't get honest about. But pretty much everybody else around them knows they want it. Like it's hard, really hard right. to hide it, even if you don't talk about it. It's still really hard to hide that that's what it is you want. Um, and so you need to be honest about it and cast it on on the Lord. So you talked about that in the sermon a little bit about with, you know, you and your wife being married and you were like, how exactly did this happen? Like, where did this come from? And you talked about the, I believe it's in Psalms. Isn't it in Psalms? Where Proverbs. Proverbs. Yeah. Proverbs. Yeah. Sorry. That's where it is. Proverbs. Yeah. He who finds a wife finds what is good, you know, and that this is from God, you yeah, know? That's right. And so asking for something that God says is good to get, mm-hmm. that's, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. No, not you know, at all. That's and actually, that's good. Yes, it's encouraged, right? Very good. You yes, know, everything you're created for, you should ask for. You know, for sure. I like that. Everything mm-hmm. you're created for, you should ask for. That's really good. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I like that. I like that. Yeah. So that's right. You're created. You're created to be married. There are some people that will, um, you know, have a special gift of singleness. Most people. And then, then some people will just be single and they won't want to be single, which is, you know, just part of living in a fallen world. But by and large, right, you're going to want to get married. And that's a great thing to ask for. And children are a great thing to ask for. And, uh, you know, and then, uh, you know, obviously you're created to work. You're created to create and do something publicly in the world, right? And you need to figure out particularly, you know, you're particular skills and gifts and callings and how that is, how you work in the world. You, be, you need to be praying about that, right? That's a lot of our frustrations, particularly as men will come, but women experience it too. But particularly as men, you know, we always like, we'll get in position and then you'll look at your boss. And you're like, man, I could totally do a better job than him. Right. And then all of a sudden you have all this anxiety and tension start to rise because you think, Hey, I could do that. And you know, all that kind of thing. So it's a really important, important thing to be praying about. Yeah, for sure. I think I've been there a lot where I'm like, I could definitely do that better. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> to be fair, I mean, I have moved up and I have done those things better in my opinion, <laughs> to be fair. Now that's true. Know. I mean, you might not be wrong I, even in that feeling, you know, right? Yeah, for sure. It, it's taken a while, but I've gotten there. You know, it's it's doable. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's not uh, – yeah, I think there's like that difference there. You know, if you're like going into something and you're totally arrogant, I think like basically what's the point you were making, you know, with – you move into the, you know, some new position or something, or even like moving into like being married and having some like total arrogance about it. And especially thinking that, uh, you know, you earned it or you deserve it or anything like that, Mm -hmm. where in reality it's, you need to view it as a gift and it needs to be, uh, you know, cared for in that kind of manner, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. it's Seems seems to make sense to me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely, 100%. So, but you mentioned the God doesn't rebuke you for asking for what it is that we're made for. Mm -hmm. So I did want you talked about Peter walking on water during your sermon. Mm -hmm. And when Peter got out there, he was like... I don't know. Like at first, like he was excited. He gets out. He he tells. He's like he's like Lord. You know, if it's you, call me out there with you, and which is really cool. I mean, mm-hmm. I would have never thought to do that. I would just sat in the boat and been like an idiot. Like whoa, like, oh, it was yeah. crazy. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Peter for sure. is like, yo, call me out there. Like if you call me out there, I yeah. can do this too. And Jesus is like, yeah, all right, yeah, come yeah. on out here. And so he steps out there, and what the wind picks up, I think, and he he gets scared. 
mm-hmm. and he starts to sink. Mm-hmm. And I've heard, I've heard from a few, not, I'm not going to say many, but it's been a few that Jesus essentially then rebukes him. Uh, he says, why did you doubt? Mm-hmm. And I, I just never viewed it like that. I never viewed Jesus like coming up to Peter and being like, you're an idiot. Yeah. I've right. never, yes. like I've an never angry viewed it like that. Or something you like know? that. Yeah. I've, I've only ever seen it like Jesus walks up to him on water, which is just mm-hmm. crazy. And, you know. You know, save, you know, saves Peter and is like, you know, why did you doubt? Like, mm-hmm. you don't need to doubt. Yeah. And it's, he's not rebuking him, but rather he's encouraging him. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. showing him this is kind of what went wrong here. And do we have like the, is this the same thing? Do we have like a similar, do we have similar events in our lives now where, I mean, God calls us out to something? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, maybe it is, maybe it is a CEO position or maybe it's just a marriage, you mm-hmm. know, maybe it's a relationship position at a church, whatever it is, yeah. and we start to sink. Yeah. And so a lot of times we might feel shame or, you know, anxiety over that. Mm-hmm. Like, what are people thinking? I failed, that kind of thing. But would it be accurate to view this as an opportunity to let Jesus reach out and pick you up mm-hmm. and say, you know, don't doubt, keep going? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. And I, I actually love this story because I've been walking with Jesus now for 28 years. And, you know, even like right now, like we basically, you know, Jenny and I felt like we were called back into full-time ministry where we knew we didn't have the money to do it. We would, you know, um, have to really trust God for the finances. You know, our church stepped up and was like very generous in giving, you know, but gave us about two months of runway, you know, for us. But we also knew that we're called to continue to do it. Uh, even though we don't know where the rest of the money is going to come from after the money runs out. And so it's easy for us then to say, all right, we're doing this. Now we've taken the step of faith. And then you can look at your bank account and say, oh, it's going to be, I'm going to bounce a check in one week and then be like, start to sink. Right. <laughs> you know, right. so instead of just by faith, just being like, it's fine. I have, we've not bounced the check yet, you know? And it's uh, God's going to come through, you know, for us and our finances. So it's a so there's lots of you know areas where you know we take a, the initial step of faith, and then we're like, oh my gosh, I'm doing this, you know. And then you start right. to freak out. You know, Peter Saul, he says, Saul the wind, right? Saul the wind in the waves, right? Like um, it's basically that, and that's so true. I mean, look at the Israelites; they they God. The ten plagues, the you know, then he parts the Red Sea, destroys the whole economy and the whole military of of Egypt, right? And then they go out there and as and they get hungry and they like start, you know, like basically like it w- is better for us to be in Egypt, right? So it's like because because of their hunger, right, and their thirst, and so instead of like taking a step back and saying, okay, I am hungry, and I am thirsty, I am in need. Right. Um, like, did God do all that to kill me? No, he didn't do all that. Right. It's like, I need to take a step back from these appetites that I have and say, he, he will provide, he'll try, you know, he will do it now that, and, but it's always usually like our appetites rise up and, you know, our, the, the satisfaction of our anxiety takes the place often of our faithfulness or our obedience. And, uh, and so it's really, um, 
that's always a fight. And, uh, and so I love that story because I don't think Peter or yeah, like I love that Peter stepped out. I love that he actually sunk because that's so I do that too. I, I look at my bank account and I start to sink. That's you know? our lives. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know? And, uh, but then Jesus, uh, really encourage, like you said, a great word encourages us not to doubt. Why do you doubt? You know? Um, and actually one of Jesus favorite nickname for the disciples was little faiths. Um, <laughs> you, we actually read it in our Bible. He says, Oh, you of little faith, but actually in the Greek, it's a nickname called little faiths, uh, which is hilarious. He says, you little faiths." Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. That's exactly awesome. Right. Yeah. That so, awesome. um, so whenever you read, Oh, you of little faith, it's usually a, that a name more like little, he's calling them little faiths. Um, and, uh, because, one of the things we need to know about anxiety is ultimately, and talking about the anxiety, that's spiritual anxiety again. Like you have a good anxiety, just like you have a good anger, right? So if you have bodily anxiety, that's that can actually it's your fight or flight response, which is good. That's a good thing. We don't, you know, like that's not something that's like a the spiritual condition of anxiety. But um, but when it comes to spiritual anxiety, you know, really, if you had perfect faith, by and large, you would have no anxiety. So in the more, so the more the quality of your faith is often going to determine the amount of anxiety you have. Now nobody has perfect faith, so we all have anxiety, right? Like so, right. it's not a, it's just like the truth of it, right? So, um, so but what we get in these instructions about anxiety is how ultimately to increase our faith. So I wanted to talk about the disciples for a moment though, because you did bring up how they asked Jesus, they asked Jesus, how do we pray? Mm -hmm. And did I, did I get this right? Is that the only time in the scriptures that they ask Jesus specifically to teach them something? Yeah, that's a, yeah, right. When, um, there's really no other time they would, that they noticed something about Jesus and they, they asked him to teach him that. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I thought about here was, so they ask Jesus how they're supposed to pray. And so they're, they're humble enough to say, Hey, we don't know how to pray. Teach us how to do that. But they're also arrogant enough to be like, Hey, do you want us to call fire down on this town? Mm, up ahead? That's right. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I yeah. think, was it a, what town was that? So, yeah. Was it like Corazon? Yeah. Or was it something like, yeah, something like that. Yeah, like how, yeah, yeah. <laughs> how arrogant, yes. you know, I'm like, that's crazy. Yeah. One minute they're like, I don't know how to talk to God. And the next minute they're like, I will burn that town <laughs> to the ground through fire from heaven. Yes, you know? yes. And it's, that's just, I mean, it's hilarious and awesome at the same yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. So this was kind of like my thoughts on it. So, because uh, it, it kind of goes back to that prayer and supplication thing where, and it makes me think of where, uh, you know, we're basically told in the scriptures. Anything that you you know, if you desire wisdom, you know, ask for it. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, Jesus says, anything that you ask in my name, it will be given. You know, like this, these are things that have to do with prayer. Mm-hmm. Should we be as confident? I'm going to say, I'm just going to change that word there. Confident, like the disciples are, and their ability to call down fire from heaven <laughs> to uh-huh. burn a town. <laughs> uh, should we be as confident as they are in our prayer? Uh, or as confident in our prayer as they are in calling down mm-hmm. fire from mm-hmm. heaven, yeah. you know. Do... Yeah. So you're asking, you know, do we need to be more um, like confident in our prayer time, especially about that we actually are we 
are actually receiving the things we're asking for. And then at times, right. How then can we like affect things in the physical world? Because we know we have it from God, like God's power has to come through us and we just know we have it. So if it's like, calling down fire or something we could have it i don't think anyone should do that you're not advocating that yeah (laughs) yeah that's a great question um so that's like so that really isn't then an issue now of um and and prayer is so important to this uh of essentially your unity with god and so one of the things that is incredibly it is the it is the most powerful thing I think the New Testament talks about, which is our union with God. So our oneness with God. So Jesus prays for us that we would be one just as he is one with his father. Right. So he's not asking, he's not talking about unity of believers. He's talking about full unity with the Godhead. Right. And so, and uh, so just as Jesus is one with God, we are one with God. And so, and then also Jesus says, you know, he says, I only do what I see my father doing. The words my father gave me are the words I give to you. And where did he get all that stuff? He got it from his prayer life. Right. And so, so he knew the will of God, not because he was God in the flesh. Um, he knew the will of God because he was the perfect human being fully empowered by the Holy spirit. And so, um, now, of course, he is God, but he lays all his godness aside to be a human. And so he has to do it like we have to do it, which is to be full of the Holy Spirit and in prayer, um, discerning the will of God. <laughs> and uh, that's why I think that's why the disciples asked him, uh, teach us to pray. Because he would he would go away and pray for, and at long periods of time. And then, you know, then you would see, of course, him doing incredibly powerful things then um, from from these times. And so, and then these, you know, people were asking, like, where does he get his authority and his teaching? Where, you know, that's, it, you know, where did that come from for Jesus? Well, obviously he knew the scriptures from his childhood, but we don't really get much about his life before his ministry. But essentially his ministry of what we read about is what he got from his heavenly father in prayer through the Holy spirit. So that's, um, I've heard that referred to that, you know, Jesus going away to pray. <clears throat> I've heard it referred to as he would go and get his bucket refilled. Mm-hmm. And that this is something that in our society, especially here in America, that we don't do often. Mm-hmm. Like not only just like in that, that prayer portion there, but taking that time to step away. Jesus would step away from the crowds, get away from everybody. I mean, there's the, you know, one time where, you know, the crowd was so large, he actually had to have them put him in a boat and he had to preach from offshore. That's how Mm -hmm. many people would be gathered around him. And so we don't take that time to step away from the busyness of our lives or crazy schedules, you know, with, you know, however many kids you got and their sports and friends' houses and parties and birthdays. And then, you know, you got your job and your marriage and everything else. And so taking that time to uh, basically retreat, you know, into wherever it is that you can 
that's like th- that's a very important part. I mean, that Jesus sets that example. Wouldn't mm-hmm. you say? Oh, this, I mean, he's is, setting an example of how we're supposed yes. to live spiritually in a sense, right? Yeah, it's funny that you didn't hear the sermon yesterday because I talked uh, about that really at length because about oh, money, really? money and possessions. Yeah, so so when Jesus says, "Don't lay up treasures for yourself on earth," you know, where moth and rust and destroy, thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven. Uh, in your, you know, and uh, so the question you have to ask then, could because like. Money and possessions are the way we secure our future, are they not? Right? Like right. when we think about anything about our the uncertainty of the future and our anxiety that comes with the you know uh, the future, you immediately think of uh, money. You, you secure yourself by money and possessions, and the more of it you have, the more secure you think you're going to be. Now it's really not true, but it's like you, you. But the more you have, the more you think your future is secure. And so many of your your future desires often are tied to the things you have. Right? I want to have this I want to have this amount of influence, I want to have this amount of family memories, this amount of recreation, you know, this so I need all this money. These are the things I like, this is what I want to do, this is what I think is going to give me life. I want to make sure I have that in the future, right? So that's why we lay up for ourselves treasure on earth and we would feel very, very intimidated by um, giving them away or just not laying them up. Um, and so, but Jesus is saying, but, you know, lay up treasures in heaven. Now, how do you do that? We, we tend to think of that as like your reward when you die, when you get to heaven in judgment. I don't actually think that's what it means. I think it actually means is the treasures you get right now from the heavenly places. And we get that, we understand what that is, uh, just uh, right, the teaching right before that. He says, when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, pray in secret, and your Heavenly Father who, see, who is in secret will reward you. Now, what does he reward you with? He rewards you with himself, and he comes and he gives to you. He, you receive from him, and he fills you up. Um, fast, fast in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Right, so you see two things that you do in secret, and then you can you can give and you give in secret too. Don't let your right hand know, and your father will reward you. But when it comes to prayer and then fasting, you get God, but you don't get God if you're not going to get alone with God. Norm a lot, you're just not. I mean, that's where he says he is, right? Um, so. Like the whole, you know, the holy of holies in the temple, right, is where heaven met earth, right? Right. Um, you know where, you know where where does heaven meet earth now that Jesus has come, died, rose again? The temple, you know, is no more temple system, anything like that. Where does heaven meet earth? Well, it, we are now the temple. Our bodies are the temple, right? And then where is, um, where does, you know, Jesus say? God is to reward us. It's in secret prayer. And so, and the fact that we neglect secret prayer means that we really ne- neglect the reward of heaven. And uh, and so, you know, Hebrews 11, 6 says, that without faith, it's impossible to please God. And those who, um, you know, who please, or, you know, those who please him, uh, they must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So what's what's that mean? It actually means that God doesn't 
want you to do things for him first, or even, I don't even know, second maybe. It's way down the line. What God first wants for you is for you to receive from him. He wants to give to you. I heard a great quote uh, this week that I just, it just tore me up. It says that so few of us are saints because we refuse to let God love us. We would rather do things for him, you know, uh, show all the things that we can perform for him, accomplish for him. We, we will do anything except let him uh, love us. And that's what happens in secret prayer. That's the reward, and that's going to be what fills your, fills your bucket. So, yeah, that goes, I mean, I hear it all the time, too, that there's like there's nothing we can do for God. Like there's nothing that God's like, oh, I really need Eric to take care of this. <clears throat> if Eric doesn't take care of this, I don't know what I'm gonna do. Like right. that never happens. <laughs> you know, yep. God is never going, boy, I really hope Eric gets that taken care of. And so, but the, like the mentality, because we have such a like get it done mentality, I would say, that we're supposed to be performing something, doing something, accomplishing something for God. And yeah, so we're just completely forgetting that what God really wants is for us to just take time in prayer and to let him, I don't know, take the will, <laughs> you know, or just well, like, you know, to yeah. have that control. And, what a what a wonderful thing at the end of John, the Last Supper, right? Jesus, after he finishes his teaching... He sits down and he begins to wash his disciples' feet, right? And Peter refuses. He says, "Don't you can't you don't wash my feet? You're not this. You're not a servant. You're not you know." And uh, Jesus says, "If you do not let me serve you mm-hmm. or wash your feet, you have no part of me." And um, and that is exactly the posture that um, we have in our pride is like, no, Lord, you're the master, you're the Lord, you're the all that. We do things for you. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 that's not how this works. Um, I give you myself. I give you my life. Um, and uh, I serve you. And now, of course, there is a there certainly is a wonderful truth that from there, we will then do things as God directs, right? right? And he does need us, right? Because God does not have a physical body on earth anymore when Jesus ascended into heaven. So how does God do physically? How does God do things physically in the world now? With our bodies. And so, and he does it through our through the Holy Spirit, through our bodies. And so he does need us um, to do things in the world. And that's our great privilege. But we think it's, I have this great idea, I'm going to do it, and Lord bless it, or whatever it is. And we, we, and we, in our pride, we want to accomplish for the Lord. We want to, um, yeah, we want to work for the Lord. We want whatever it is. But, and I love that quote. It is, uh, there are so few of us are saints because we will not let God love us. We, we won't receive from him. We'll do for him, but we will not receive from him. And that's coming totally from secret prayer. Uh, well, what you're saying there makes me think of 
that part in the Lord's Prayer where it says, uh, not my will, but your will be done. Mm-hmm. You know, that's essentially... Or, well, the, um, you know, uh, uh, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah. Yeah, you mixed yeah. up. Oh, yeah, Jesus well... the garden, but yeah, you're good. I got to understand what you're oh, saying. Oh, yeah, 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 I did, didn't I? Yeah, but, uh, yeah, that's... So, mm-hmm. so yeah, that's, that's what that makes me think of, you know, that, you know, we're supposed to be... Because you were just mentioning, like, oh, I have this great idea, and it's going to be awesome, you mm-hmm. know, and God, I just need you to make this happen. Yeah, bless the Lord. <clears throat> um, yep. You know, I have some great ideas that I'd really like for God to make happen, you know? Yeah. But, uh, I don't, you know, who knows, right? Which is like what the disciples so. were like, let me call down, let me call down yeah, fire, right. <laughs> right? This is what we think should happen, because they refused, right? They were refusing the gospel. They were refusing them. Like, and the disciples are like, you guys are crazy, like... People are being healed, and you know the the poor are getting preached good news preached to them. You know they're like, what? Like, how can you refuse us? How can you refuse the Messiah? Let's call down fire on them to show them their error, their ways, right? And uh, you know, so um, you know, Jesus, of course, you know, in in a you know great way, there is just is teaching them. That that's not, you know, the mission. That's not their role. They're not those things, you know. And uh, but what's great about the disciples and everything is, as we read it, that they they are such a great example to us of things that almost certainly we're going to encounter or we're going to step into or it's going to be a part of our lives as we walk with Jesus too. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so let's. Uh, I did want to shift gears here, just based on. Uh, a little note that I have here because I'm afraid mm-hmm. we're going to skip over it. But you mentioned being thankful in our anxiety. Mm-hmm. So, can you go into a little more detail on that? Like, what? First off, what is there to be thankful for in anxiety? Yeah. What? Like, I've never felt anxious and been like, "Sure, I am glad I'm feeling anxious yeah. right yeah. now." Like, I've never done that. Yes. What? Like, what do you like? What? Is, what do you mean by that? Yeah, so you know, thankfulness. So this comes from in in verse it says, um, you know, but every in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving present your request to God. That little phrase with thanksgiving is really important because there uh, you only you only thank somebody when they give you something, and uh, and thankfulness is an acknowledgement of somebody else's gift to you. And really thankfulness when it comes to thankfulness with God is acknowledging and surrendering to his control over your life. And even the situations you want to get out of that are causing you anxiety are not situations that God doesn't have control over. And a lot of the times we want things to be over or the things we don't have, we want them to be fulfilled. Uh, and so we have so much anxiety because of the one of those two things, you know, a lot. And we uh, we so often then think that uh, we don't have those things either because maybe the sinfulness of others or our inability to accomplish it because we don't have the skills or maybe we sinned or, you know, whatever. Um, and really thankfulness is, is really that posture of uh, surrender and also then... Uh, and uh, in that posture of surrender, not even just the, the posture of like, um, you know, like, Oh, I hate this, you know, I'm kind of under your thumb, you're in control. I surrender, you know, surrender, surrender. Like he's got your, like, 
in some like suplex position where you got to tap out. Right. But something more like a sense of like, Oh, you're my heavenly father. You know, like I'm in this situation by your loving control and thank you that you, you can, or that you're in control of this, that I'm acknowledging the situation. A lot of times with anxiety is we do not really understand where we are, right? We don't understand. We, we think we, we are where we are, uh, without God in mind, which is again, the faith thing. Remember if you had perfect faith, which no one does except for Jesus, if you had perfect faith, you wouldn't have anxiety, right? Um, so, but since we don't have perfect faith, right. Um, uh, we have anxiety. And so, but that's a part of it, right. Is we, we're not seeing ourselves through the lens of, um, of faith, right. Of, and part of faith is seeing that God has us where he has us. And, uh, because if we look by sight, we would say, I live here because I moved here for this reason and this reason, and I have this and this and this for this reason, this reason, and all these events that led up to it. But faith says, no, all of those things happened because God put me in this situation, even if situation I might not want to be in. It's an interesting thought there. I've never heard the, uh, living by faith and not by sight explained in that manner that, where we're at, we we don't look at that we're there based on what we've done, but rather that that's where God has directed us. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> what's the what what's the um? It's like uh, it's I believe it's in Proverbs, uh, like something about a man, uh, like basically charts his path, but the Lord decides his steps mm-hmm. or something yeah, like that. You know what I'm exactly, talking oh about? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's exactly right, yeah. <laughs> lines, I think you said it right, too, yeah. Is that Does mm-hmm. that line up with what you're talking about here? Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, we we might make decisions and decide, I'm, just to throw out examples, I'm going to, like you said, I'm going to move here, I'm going to get this mm-hmm. job, I'm going to go to school for this reason, whatever, but in the end, God's the one who is guiding all mm-hmm. of those steps. Yep, yep, exactly. So yep. We're just, where are we at on free will here, Dave? <laughs> Well, yeah, that's a, yeah, great. I mean, it is. It's a really good question, right? Like, um, so you you basically one of the things, of course, there's no, you know, if you're a hard free will person, like you're just going to run up against too many things in scripture that are uh, that are speak ultimately against your hard free will position. Because uh, because God has a will too, and since God has a will, He is going to get, and we know that His will is going to be done, right? And so He is going to get His will done, and He's going to get it done. And so He will superintend people over, you know, like go against people's free will all the time, right? To mm-hmm. to accomplish his will or he's going to use their decisions in a way that's going to accomplish his will. So they become really, you know, tools in his hands. Uh, right. And, and so, and you are too. And so, and I think, and that does, but that certainly does not mean that you don't make choices and make significant choices. That doesn't mean you don't have a will. It means you just, your will isn't like, 
like it's not a hard free will, right? So, um, you know, God has things for you. You know, look at Ephesians two ten. If you're a Christian, uh, you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which He prepared beforehand in advance that you might walk in them. You know, so God has prepared good works for you in advance of your life. <laughs> And he will make sure that you do them. Now, you're going to join him in that happily, right? Like, um, but, and even just think of it this way too. You are the body of Christ. You are literally a body part of Jesus Christ. My body, I am able to move because I'm healthy. I'm able to move all my parts of my body my spirit or brain and all this stuff is telling what my body parts do. If you are Jesus' body, can Jesus tell his body what it is to do? Yes, of course he can. Like, I mean, he's God. He's so powerful. I mean, like he, he's more powerful than I can, right? He gets his body exactly where he wants his body to be, right? And so for David Dorr, it's, you know, Liberty Township, Ohio, 2023. Right? Exactly. Yeah. That's what it is. That's where yeah. I live. That's and so there's a, a Jesus body. I thought you were about to right give here. your address and I was so like, yeah, I don't yeah, go yeah, that yeah, far. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. not, I'll add that know. out. <laughs> but you but yeah, you know, so that's a great um, way of explaining right? it yeah. though. Yeah. Yeah, we're for a part of Jesus' body. Why is he not able to decide where his body goes, what what parts of his body move right. where and do what? I've yeah, that's that's really good. You know, I've I've had the the this like discussion with uh some like friends of mine at a bible study and uh one of the uh, you know ideas in there was that like oh no like everything you do is decided by god like everything and i was like so you're telling me this was around christmas time I'm like you're telling me that if i get up and i unplug the christmas tree that was because god was like eric's gonna get up and unplug the christmas tree and they were like Yes. And I was like, <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. I think God's got way bigger things going on than yeah. me deciding to unplug something, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so to make a point, I got up and I unplugged the Christmas tree just <laughs> just to be like, That's look, I, you know, yeah. I'm not seeing it, guys. Like, I, I'm seeing, like, I get the, you know, the whole part where you were saying there that we are exactly where God wants us to be and that we're going to, uh, going back to that First Corinthians, that you know, there's these good works that God has lined up for us and that mm-hmm. we're going to do them. Mm-hmm. But uh, as far as you know, deciding whether or not we're going to watch you know, this TV show or that TV show tonight, mm-hmm. God's, yeah. he's indifferent. He's like, whatever. I don't care yeah, I mean, watch, you have you a know? lot of, you, you have freedom from, you know, and you're right. I mean, all of this stuff, you know, as you get farther into it, just like this moves into mystery, right? So when yeah. Paul says in Acts 17 that, um, you know, God has appointed for all men, uh, you know, th- their their boundaries of habitation, that they might seek him. So you, you know, that's a great mm-hmm. quote to say, you live where you live so that you would <laughs> seek God. That's It's true, right? You, and because he just says he appointed it. Um, and but then he also says, "In him we live and move and have our being." Now that's a you know. So when you think about God, like, so you're yeah, like when you unplug the Christmas tree, like, is God making you do that? Well, it's no, He's not making you do that. But it's also weird to be like you are doing that in Him. 
in him we live and move and have our being. So like you have to understand like part of just having our being is in God. Uh, right? Like it's weird. I don't know. So that's why it descends into mystery, right? Somebody I heard say one time in a sermon, they said, if the timeline of history, right, is like written across the page, God is the page, right? So it's like, and so, Ooh. and I, I was like, so yeah, you can just, just descend, but, and, but you don't want to get into absurdity where it can create that anxiety, right? Where should I go unplug the Christmas tree? You know, it's like you don't want to do, because that's really, um, you're just really moving then into speculations and things like that. It's like, it just, you don't need to do that, right? It's obvious that everybody has a will. You make choices. You know, everybody wants to know how free is your will to do that, right? Like, um, but it's also at the same time, like, well, at, when it really comes down to it, right? Like, um, you know, you make choices anyway, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, um, and then, but of course God has all power and he is, he is accomplishing his will, but also he also knows everything you're going to do because, Mm -hmm. you know, his perspective is from eternity. Right. So, you know, so, you know, 10 years from now to God is the same. He's seeing that the same way he's seeing right now. Right. So he knows all the choices that I'm going to do up to that point too. Right. It's just like, so it's just hard, you know, it's really just hard to, it just, so, um, I think what people want to, want to solve in all of that really is, um, you know, can I love a God ultimately that will, um, will, uh, superintend my will at times, uh, in order to accomplish his will. And that's something everybody has to wrestle with. And, um, and there are a lot of people, I do believe that when they just even think about that philosophically, um, hate it to the point where they they're all their love for God just shrivels. So yeah, I, I think I'd have to just like look at for one thing with that. I, I just have to look at Job. You know, like there's so much that we don't understand. Like you said, it just starts to descend into mystery. Mm-hmm. You know, and to try and dive into it and pick out these tiny little minute specks and decide what each one means or how to interpret it when we have literally like nothing in scripture about it whatsoever just sounds really like it sounds like a waste of time honestly but also with like with what you were just saying there I'm okay with that actually mm-hmm. I'm okay with the the god who created all things the supreme king of the universe the one who has you know adopted me grafted me in calls me you know child of god mm-hmm. to make some decisions in my life i'm totally cool with mm-hmm. that it sounds mm-hmm. like a really good idea mm-hmm. actually you mm-hmm. know so i don't see where that goes wrong i honestly don't but i think the the other thing that you know kind of just like makes me makes me think on this is that whole like the salvation part Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that's another thing. Like we we wouldn't actually choose him if he doesn't make that decision for us. We we choose sin and death. So 
what other great decisions is God making for me? <laughs> you know, like this. Yeah. Hey, that's a fantastic one. I'm super excited about yeah. it. And I'm excited to see yeah. what other awesome decisions God makes for yeah. me. Uh, and I'm glad, you know, very thankful that uh, God has decided to uh, make that decision mm-hmm. for me, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. because just as easily, I mean, you know, we can get right into, you know, the the potter can make one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use. Mm-hmm. Which one do you want to be? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's a simple choice for me. I think I'm, I'm cool. <laughs> I'm cool with it. I'm, I'm all right with it. You know? Yeah, and I, it is. And I, and I understand it. it is tough. Uh, you know, because um, and let me just give you an example from from my life. Like part of it, the reason why it's tough is because a lot of times my will. I have desires that are not yet fulfilled and I really, really want God to do them. And, uh, and I really want God to like use his power to fulfill those desires in my life. Right. Um, but, um, and, but you can just start to think, what if his will is for me not to have these things that I feel like I really, really need. And it gets really hard. Right. And so then you, uh, and so, but that's actually what the one of the reasons why surrender is such a important part. And so when Jesus, of course, surrenders in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he, he his, his he gets a no to his answer to prayer to take the cup from him, right? And he surrenders, not my will, but your will be done. That's why, uh, and that's you know, really the, in the beginning of the Lord's prayer is this is how you should pray: Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come your will be done. So it's your name, your kingdom, your will. And so what do we do? That's a surrender, right? It's like, cause I have a will, right? If it were, if I could design my life, I would be as rich, well-liked, uh, and famous as, and important as I could be. I, I do believe that would absolutely be the way I would design my life. And, um, but you know, God doesn't. God designs my life, and so, um, so it's it, it is tough then to have to say, Lord, I surrender to Your will for me. Now, I, I know most people who believe in free will don't have a problem with that either, um, and that's wonderful. That, that's wonderful. I you know because it, it's um, because they they also know it's important to surrender their will to God, um, and so. Um, but yeah, it, it is, uh, it is really, but in, in salvation's sake, though, the point you're making, it's very, it's beautiful. Uh, it's, it's beautiful to know that God saves us, um, if we could not save ourselves, mm-hmm. if we could not, if our will is so bound to sin and slavery and death that we would never choose him, that he makes sure he saves us anyway. Um, and that's the beauty of, um, you know, the beauty of salvation. Um, well, well, at least one of the beauties of it. So definitely. And I, I do just, you know, one last thing here. So you talked about prayer makes the legal personal. Mm. I've I've never heard that before, uh, and so can you can you just kind of explain that again? Like, 
what is like what is the legal mm-hmm. part here? Like, where are we coming from when we think when we talk about legal and personal here? When we're talking yeah, about prayer? great, great question. So, when you believe God, you are declared righteous. You're declared just. It is satisfied with the courts, right, of heaven, right? You are uh, right with God. Mm-hmm. You are justified, even though you say this is all the sin I've done, but because I trust Jesus and what he's done, his death and resurrection, I am not only does not guilty, but um, fully then welcomed as righteous into the family of God, right? It doesn't matter if I'm a Jew, it doesn't matter if I'm Gentile, it doesn't matter anything, I'm full, that's the legal, the, the, the legal reality, the legal truth of all believers, right? Now, uh, how though do you get uh, you know sometimes so then you know what happens you'll go off and you'll sin you'll say you do you just do something wrong and then you, and then you even might even start to say i'm i don't feel right with god i'm not right with god right now because i've been sinning well that's not true you are right with god but in your mind and in emotions everything feels like you're alienated from him he would there's no way he could love me because i've done this again and blah 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 whatever it might be right, right? and so even though legally it's true, it's not personal in your life. It's not real in your life. And you then are, you know, a lot of times I can move back into, well, I'm going to have to make up for it, or I'm going to have to, or I'm, you know, you just hate yourself long enough until, you know, whatever it is. And so, and, and, uh, and so, but what prayer does is it actually where you, when he says your heavenly father who is in secret will reward you, this is where he, makes the legal personal. Hey, you are loved. You are my child. And it, and it's going to be real in your heart. Um, and, and that's where you, uh, it, and it's always true, right? But it's just, you, you're not experiencing it and you're really wounded often, right? Or you're empty really because of it. So um, prayer is really where that really comes home for you. So that kind of goes both ways. I mean, we've been talking about bringing our anxieties to God in prayer and, uh, you know, just making our requests known to him. But also the same thing with prayer, with, you know, whatever problems or sin we have in our lives, we bring that to God as well. So mm-hmm. really prayer is just kind of like this avenue for freedom from that legal aspect of it. You know, instead of it being like this distant thing where, you know, oh, God took care of it. Now you're kind of on your own. Uh-huh. And it did. And, you know, it makes me think, too, about like uh, in Hebrews where it talks about we don't have some distant God who, you know, is just like off on a throne somewhere is like, hey, guys, hope you figure it out. Uh-huh. But rather God has come down off his throne and and, you know, gone through all the same things that we've gone through, uh-huh. which makes it. Really, you think about it, it, makes it really easy to bring all these things to him. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus was tempted in every way that we are. Yeah. But he just never failed. Yes. Because he was perfect. But also, he had anxiety. He had, I mean, he mm-hmm. was sweating blood. You mentioned that in mm-hmm. your sermon. So that's that makes it really easy to bring that stuff to him, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like, he really, yeah. he really gets it. Yes, exactly. Right? He gets it. And, you know, and he had to be the, he had to learn obedience the same way we did too, which is awesome. That's what Hebrews says. He said he learned to his obedience through what he suffered. 
right? Like, whoa, holy cow. Like, so Jesus had to be like, um, I, I'm suffering. I don't like this, but this is God's track for me. This is God's will for me. And, um, you know, and so, and he had to surrender his, you know, fine desires to God's will. And just like we do. And, um, and, and so it's, it's beautiful. Like the whole, but the thing is though, so many of us, and this is me included. I feel like I'm just like tasting a, a glass of water of a vast lake of, you know, great refreshing water of prayer. But, um, you know, like the legal, which is beautiful. And I preach on the legal so much and, you know, people respond very well to a lot of times when I just preach the real truths and reality of, of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Mm -hmm. But there is nothing better, um, than to hear that, know that, but then meet your heavenly father in the, in secret prayer and just, and you, and he pours it out to you. Right. So like, that's and when I say poured out, that's from Romans five, right? We rejoice in our sufferings because suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character and character, hope and hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy spirit. So it's way easier to suffer and have a great attitude and be thankful in suffering. Even, um, not because you know, that chain of this is going to create perseverance and character and hope. It's because, like, you have experienced the pouring out of love into your heart. And so Paul talks about in Ephesians as the, um, you know, the love. Well, in Philippians, you have the peace of God, which which passes all understanding. It's not something you can describe really as a, like a, fact like a it's something you have to experience right Mm -hmm. it's it's experiential it's personal between god and you um and just like everybody i experienced the love of my wife right you experienced the love of your wife they experience your wife experienced your love it's hard to describe that right it's like you know right it's experiential it's personal between you two and so um you know, Paul talks about the love that surpasses knowledge, right? In Ephesians, he talks about how wide and how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, right? So it's like he's trying to use these language, which is personal experience, but it's but it is, um, but that's actually what it means to be the legal personal. Like it's it's one thing to know that you have a heavenly Father, but it's a one thing to like get in your room, close the door, and there your Father is giving to you that his words, his eternal life, his spirit, his strength, his peace, Mm -hmm. you know, and you're just like, I know it now, you know? And so, um, that is, you know, that's, uh, that's the reward, reward from heaven, right? That's seeking rewards in heaven. And so, and I'll tell you what, when, you know, money and possessions, what they do when we lay up money and possessions, on earth, those are the things largely that keep us from secret prayer and meeting our heavenly father in secret. Um, because you're just serving your possessions. You gotta, 
you got to go to work and it's busy and you got to, and then you've got all this stuff and you've got to clean it and you've got to repair it and you've got to organize it and you've got to plan for it and you've got to, and it makes you happy and that's where you want to spend your time on too. And so you're spending your time there and it makes you happy, but the, the happiness fades and you know, blah, 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 blah. And the more stuff you have, the more opportunities you can do, the less time you probably spend with the Lord. I don't know, you know, maybe like it, but it is interesting, the correlation between your the amount of money and wealth and possessions you have and probably your even uh, desire to get into um, receiving from the Lord in secret prayer. Yeah, I was literally thinking that like one of the things that my wife and I, there's a <clears throat> actually a house uh, one street up from here that we pass on the way over to my parents every uh, like every other weekend. And it's a really nice house, really beautiful. And my wife and I both have the same begrudging thing about such a large house and we're like it's we don't want to clean the small house we have yes that's like, right. what yes. do i want like yes. it's super nice you know yeah. we're like oh that's a nice patio you know those cool archways and that's a really nice garage and dude i have a small shed yeah i can't keep that thing clean right okay yes. <laughs> you yes. know 100%. so that's one of our biggest things is we're like you know there's no sense in in us getting a large house because we don't like taking care of the small one we have. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so yeah. But uh, well, it, it, it's funny. It's true, right? You, you like literally now that doesn't mean like poor people meet with God all the time either. It's just, it, what it just is, is it just means that like the reward, um, you know, you know, store up treasures in heaven. Like it, it's funny. Cause as now, I think it's a, I've never said this before, but I think it's actually true is because I've experienced the love of God poured out into my heart in secret prayer, just my time with the Lord, like when I get by myself and I pray, like I actually do feel like more and more I go into that room where there's treasure. Um, And it actually feels like the more and more I receive the love of God there, the more I feel like um, I have when I go into that room and pray. That's a weird way to say it, but I think it's true. Like I'm actually in some ways laying out treasures in heaven in this like secret prayer place. Um, And again, these are not, these are not material possessions. Of course they're, they are, they are God himself pouring out his love into my heart, which is, which is, gives me strength and peace and knowledge and ability and stuff as I do yeah. my day, you know? Yeah. It's something that I've been actually wanting to work on for a while now. Uh, you know, I feel like, I feel like what you're saying though, like pretty much describes my life. Like, you know, it's like I'm off to work and then, you know, I get home and I've got to, you know, take care of these things around the house. And then, you know, I've got to do studying and then I've got other things to take care of around the house. And, you know, then there's obviously, you know, spending time with my wife and daughter. And before I know it, I'm like, just like totally like exhausted and dead on the couch. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, you know, Oh yeah. You know, I've been really wanting to get into like first and second Kings for a while, but you know, I'll do that tomorrow. Yeah. 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 That's right. mm, You know? Yeah. It's, it's, and I'm ashamed to say too, that like so much of my life has been, uh, really about how do I, do something for God. And I'm trying to use my own thinking, ingenuity, effort, work, 
yada yada. And it's no wonder I feel often so disappointed in God and myself and others, exhausted, burnout, you know, that kind of thing. And right. it's because I did not know the treasures in heaven from secret prayer and prayer just, you know, and again, this is not, I'm not, there's nothing special about it. I think the only real like requirement is like, go be by yourself. Like mm-hmm. go be by yourself. Like just go find some place to be by yourself. Like, and that's, I, and I actually think it is kind of important to be undistracted a bit, you know, like, you know, but again, I, I would even think it's, even if you're distracted a little bit, fine. I don't know. But like, but just, that's where God says he is. He is in secret. Mm-hmm. So I, I, if you were to, if you were like, if I could like guarantee that you could go to a place where God absolutely says he is, would you go there? You know, that's one of those things, right? And just be like, hey, God has reward for you in this room. And all you have to do is go there. I know where that room is. And you're like, oh, tell me that room. Like, it's your room when you pray. That's your room. That's it. I mean, it, it, that's where it is. That's where he is. And, um, and it's really solitude, right? So you can do solitude in a lot of different places, but, and, and, it, and God is so, I, I just think God is so, uh, he, he's not stingy. He, he, he doesn't hold out, you know, when we come to him and just say, Hey, hey I agree. I think this is true. Like, and you said it, and I'm here. I'm praying. I don't even really know what I'm doing. You know, I'm just here, <laughs> Lord. I'm here, here. You know, it's like he he delights to like pour his love out into our hearts. He delights in it, and he wants he wants to be re- that real in his life. That's why he sent us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is, um, you know, is in us. You know, he's he's there. That I mean, that he's like uh, he's made us alive, right? He's always with us. So. Uh, and he, I think, yeah. So however you, you know, in your busy life, you got a baby and, you know, and, uh, you know, a, a job and you volunteer here at church and all that stuff, right. We're doing this podcast and all that kind of stuff, man. Like, it's just like, um, that little time, whenever you carve it out, you'll find that it's probably becomes the most sacred part of your life. Um, and then it becomes so vital. Like, I couldn't even believe I'd ever, never, ever did this. I don't even know how I lived without it, you know? So, and it doesn't have to be long. I'm sorry, I'm talking over and over. It doesn't have to be long. It just is like, because God is so good just to be like, to, to meet us there. Yeah. I feel like, you know, there's, there's like, so like oftentimes I, I get, you know, we will go down to there's the lake down in Kentucky we go to and get down there. And oftentimes like, you know, you know, before we had a baby, uh, you know, my wife would be taking a nap or it'd be like, you know, early in the morning and she'd still be sleeping. And, you know, that's one of the things that, you know, I'd be able to like go on the back porch and this is like completely quiet and like have that time. And I always just felt like so like much more like energized after spending time down there because I feel like I could really just, you know, stare off into the woods and just, you know, meditate on, Mm -hmm. you know, scriptures and pray and stuff. And, you know, it's such a hard thing for us to, to figure this out in our lives. And it just doesn't make any sense to me. I'm like, why is this thing? This is like the most essential and vital thing. And yet here we are. Like, I mean, I have to like war against everything mm-hmm. else in my life yeah. just to get to it a yeah. little bit. Oh yeah. You know, and it's like, yes. 
Well, and I, I actually do think, you know, since our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the powers, principalities of this present darkness, I, I, I think if there's one place that the, you know, the devil and his angels don't want us to be, is they, he does not want us to be, he doesn't want a lot of things for us. <laughs> right. And, uh, but I, I would definitely for sure know that he does not want us to get alone in prayer mm-hmm. with God. You know, I mean, prayer is you know, like, is like directly threatens Satan, right? Like there's that one time they coming down for the transfiguration and they, the disciples had tried to cast out a demon, but couldn't. And Jesus did. And then he said, that one only comes out by prayer and fasting. Right. So, well, what does that mean? It means that there is some kind of demonic possession that can only be come out by prayer and fasting. Mm-hmm. Like, so certainly the devil is, is threatened, um, really threatened by prayer, you know, and, uh, and us walking in well, uh, the Holy Spirit. Makes sense because, I mean, we're here talking about bringing all of our anxieties and, you know, our, our problems and everything to God in prayer. And what, what does he feed the most on? you know, mm-hmm. our anxieties and yes. sin and problems and yes. seems, seems pretty simple, you know, yes. way to take care of that. Then what kind of hold does, could he possibly have on you? Yes, so. that's right. Cause you know, our anxieties usually aren't sinful at first, you know, but that's the, but yeah, once they kind of get full grown can definitely lead to sin for sure. But yeah, a lot of it does have that non-sinful anxiety just popping up and we don't take it to prayer or whatever, yeah. or we don't cast it on the Lord or whatever it might be. Um, and yeah. And then all of a sudden it becomes full grown and full in sin, you know? So one thing it makes me think of is a saying I heard once it was, why is it when we realize we've lost our way, we begin to run. Mm. And I feel like anxiety will mm. cause that in us. We, we just begin to run in whatever direction we see. And in doing so we're, you know, oftentimes we end up, making foolish decisions and we mm-hmm. you know, essentially disobey mm-hmm. God's commands. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I know that's true in my life. Dude, so. that is freaking powerful. I have never heard that before. Oh, really? That is, I'm going to steal that. <laughs> Go so, for it. <laughs> and I'm going to pretend it's mine. No, I'm sure. Absolutely. Yeah. No, 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 no. But dude, that is, a, I've got that, it on record. That, dude, <laughs> that is a powerful statement. Oh. Uh, that's what I actually went on a hike the other day and I got lost and that's exactly what I did. Really? Soon, I got lost. Just It was actually maybe 10 minutes. But I got lost. I just got turned around. I didn't know where I was. Where? Um, it was at Red River Gorge. It was someplace oh, I'd never really? been. And I'd never been hiking before the, on this trail. And uh, it wasn't a big deal. But I, do, I, I just started going faster in the long, wrong direction. You <laughs> no know, kidding. like yeah. it was, dude, that's so powerful. It's a great, great statement. Yeah, actually, I, it, that's that uh, line has actually, I think, kept me from getting lost. When I was younger, I used to go, you know, hiking in woods and stuff all the mm-hmm. time. And, like, there's been so many times where I've been like, I'm not sure where I'm at right now. And I'm like, that's cool. Yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah, yeah. like, well, you know, I'm just going to keep heading. I think it was this way. And I just yeah. kind of, like, mosey on about. And then I, like, look over and I'm like, oh, no, there's that bridge. I need to go over there. You yeah. Know? Like, that's yes. what If I would have ran, I would have, like, ran right past the landmark that I recognized. Yeah. Yeah. You know? But I just kind of, like, mosey on about. And I'm like, oh, here we are. Yeah. yeah this looks familiar. Yeah. That's, that's great. I love that.